Hello everyone, I'm your host Luke, and this is my co-host... Jared, how's it going guys? So today I'd like to start with a story and then we'll get into what uh, we're covering today, which hopefully the story will give some more context, details, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the story starts, for some context, I live in Jersey in a somewhat wooded area by the bay. There's a small patch of woods that separates my house from the home behind us that you can easily see through to their backyard and on both sides have fences. The one on the left has a full fence that spans the length of the property and the neighbors on the right have a fence that goes halfway down the property so you can see into their backyard. We never had any issues with the wildlife aside from some coyotes in the area, but they have never entered our property. I usually have to leave early in the morning before the sun comes up, and this particular morning was no different. I walked out to my car and heard what I thought was my next door neighbor, which I found odd, as I've never heard them awake this early. Before I entered in my car, I heard a noise that sounded like my neighbor saying, hey, coming from the right side of our backyard. I turned my head to look and I see two glowing eyes looking back at me. I could tell it was tall, but I couldn't make out any other details, but I knew it wasn't human. I never lost eye contact with it until I got in my car. I tried to pull my car so the headlights could shine on it. What I saw, but it was gone. Now every time I go out to my car at night or early in the morning, I hear strange noises coming from the woods around my house. Some of the noises sound exactly like uh, small children. Not sure what I encountered, but it scared the heck out of me. Um, so we're talking about Wendigos. Mm -hmm. So I'll let, uh, kick it off to Gerard. Yeah, Wendigo is a supernatural being belonging to a spiritual traditions, uh, First Nations in North America. Wendigos are described as powerful monsters that have a, the desire to kill and eat their victims. In most legends, humans transform into Wendigos because of their greed or weakness. Various ind uh, indigenous tribes or indigenous uh, traditions consider Wendigos dangerous because of their thirst for blood and their ability to infect otherwise healthy people or communities with evil. Wendigos legends are essentially cautionary tales about isolation, selfishness, selfishness, and the importance of community. Uh, definition: the most, according to the most Anglo-Korean oral traditions, a Wendigo is a cannibalistic monster that preys on weak, socially disconnected. In most versions of the legend, a human becomes a Wendigo after his or her spirit is corrupted by greed or weakened by extreme conditions such as hunger and cold. In other legends, humans become Wendigos when possessed by a prowling spirit during moments of weakness. Depending on the many First Nations that speak the Anglo-Quin uh, language, including Abikai, uh, Siskisiska, and there's like four others, Inu and Obui. The spelling and pronunciation of the word in Wendigo dif differs. Wendigo, 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 um, and a few others, alternative versions of the same term. Other names such as Ashchen, Achun, and Kiwok um, are commonly used to refer to uh, the Wendigo. Appearance and characteristics. Just as uh, there are different versions of the word Indigo, Wendigo, there are many variations of uh, on the creature's appearance and power. Sometimes uh, Wendigos are described as exceptionally thin with the skull and skeleton pushing through its ash-colored mummy-like skin. 
Other stories describe the Wendigo as a, a well-fleshed giant who gets proportionally larger the more it eats. According to other legends, the Wendigo has a pointed or animal-like ears with antlers or horns sprouting from on its head. The Wendigo's eyes have been described as sunken or growling or glowing like hot coals. Uh, sharp and pointy teeth, extremely bad breath, body order are often traits of the Wendigo. Wendigo uh, the Wendigo is usually, but not always, endowed with powers, such as superhuman strength, stamina, that allow it to stalk and overpower and devour its victims. Wendigos are usually credited with exceptional eyesight, hearing, and sense of smell. They are uh, said to move with the speed of the wind and have the ability to walk across deep snow or even op uh, over open water without sinking. According to some legends, Wendigos can be killed with conventional weapons such as a club or far firearms. Other legends claim that the Wendigo has to be somehow subdued, its icy heart cut out, and then melted in a roaring fire. Still, other legends claim that only knowledgeable First Nation spiritual leaders, a shaman, can dispatch a uh, Wendigo with a specific spell or ceremony. Spell and ceremony. Origins and history. The Wendigo legend exists in Anglo-Quin oral history for many centuries, long before Europeans arrived in North America. However, the first European written account of Wendigo is by Paul Lejeune, a Jesuit missionary who lived among the Anglo-Quin people in the early 17th centuries in what is now Quebec. In a report to his superiors in Paris in 1636, Lejeune wrote, This devilish woman added that the Wendigo had eaten some Akakumugunkin. Uh, these are tribes that live north of the river that is called Three Rivers and that he would eat a great many more if he were not called elsewhere, but that uh, Atchin, sort of a werewolf, would come in his place to devour them, even up to the French fort, that he would slaughter the French themselves. Father Lejeune's report demonstrated that the 17th century Europeans believed in evil supernatural spirits just as strongly as their First Nation uh, contemporaries. In fact, Father Lejeune's report predates the Salem witch trials by nearly 60 years. Missionaries in what be, uh, became Canada continued to report legends of the Wendigos well into the 20th century. Stories could also be found on the western uh, frontier in the 1800s among plain indigenous pe uh, peoples and um, employees of the Hudson Bay Company. Some of the Hudson Bay Company traders' uh, records describe encounters with indigenous spiritual leaders claiming to be descendants, uh, descend, uh, descent into fits of religious passion. Um, indigenous people often accuse these people of uh, being Wendigos. HBC traders sometimes describe them as mad. In some cases, community members or relatives of the accused killed the suspected Wendigo as a precaution. In one example, three men killed a Cree spiritual leader, Abishash, um, after he became greedy and killed an indigenous family, which led others to believe that he was a Wendigo. Wendigo psychosis. Ooh. In the early 20th century, the term Wendigo found its way into the Western medical vocabulary. It was used by an early psychiatrist to refer to a medical condition in which patients felt possessed by uh, cannibalistic desires. Um, missionary J.E. Sandon was the first to use the term in the 1920s while working in a Cree community in Western James Bay area. There he met with a woman who claimed she saw strangers who wanted to kill and devour her. Sandin referred to the woman's mental condition as a psychoneurosis, a mental behavioral disorder characterized by depression and anxiety. Over time, the condition became known as the Wendigo psychosis. However, 
Whether this is a real affliction is highly disputed among the medical community. Symbolism and meaning. Legend of the Wendigo reveal much about its beliefs, way of life, social structures, and traditions of the people who tell these stories. For some, the Wendigo legends serve as a reminder for the importance of community and more importantly, about what can happen when individuals are left outside of a community. One recipe for creating a Wendigo, extreme hunger, cold, and isolation. Uh, wherever present and threatening facts of life, many First Nation people living in the Northern Boreal Forests, in fact, most Wendigo stories began with an individual or small group trapped in the wilderness without food for an extended period of time, alone and in the cold. Wendigos were said to kill lonely travelers or a member of a group then take on their personality temporarily before eventually killing the other humans it encountered. Similarly, a Wendigo's legendary greed represents attitudes about sharing in many indigenous cultures. In the wilderness, human survival is also often dependent on uh, communal cooperation and the sharing of food and possessions. Any individual who refuses to share local resources, especially in times of great deprivation, was considered a monster. According to historians, uh, Shaw's small man, the Wendigo is seen as a symbol of greed in modern society, as a manifestation in capitalism and corporate consumerism. The creature, creature has also become, uh, also come to serve as a metaphor for the injustices that the indigenous people have faced in Canada, including residential schools, the restriction rights in the Indian Act, and the 60s scoop, a similarly assimilative a, a um, um, policy. Uh, Armand Ruffalo's film, A Wendigo Tale, for example, uses the monster to tell a story about an intergenerational trauma of residential schools. For some indigenous persons, the Wendigo represents the forces of colonization. Mm. Interesting. So it, it kind of seems like it's a... Like a more modern... or Is that part of it was used to warn people against not turning to can cannibalism? Well, right? not... Not that it's it's more so to prevent uh, greediness and prevent isolation and loneliness. It was more to reinforce the idea of a community and that back in those days people thrived in communities, but alone is much more difficult. And if someone was so greedy that they weren't willing to contribute to the society and contribute to the survival of the group because they were being greedy then they were considered monsters. And it was supposed to be a cautionary tale against uh, selfishness, against isolation, um, but it was meant to be encouraging um, uh, the sharing and, and basically increasing the odds of survival by surviving in a group and sharing resources um, for the betterment of their society. So it was more of a cautionary tale of not being greedy and not surviving on your own because you'll end up turning into one of these creatures or you'll end up being eaten by one. So, um, where is it? So, <laughs> I, I love this website. I, I wish there were more like it, but um, it's a Native American legends website. And the, if you look at a geographic distribution of where like the Wendigo is said to haunt, it's actually mostly Canada mm -hmm. and like, you know, Maine area or, you know, the Great Lakes, um, which would be pretty heavily wooded areas, right? Yeah. But um, it, 
the Wendigo is known to the Chippewa, the Odawa, uh, the Algonquins, like Jared was saying, and the Potawatomi uh, tribes. It um, off this website it says Wendigos are the evil man-eating giants of Anishinaabe mythology. Wendigos play the role of monsters and boogeymen in some legends and others Chippewa people who commit sins, especially selfishness, gluttony, or cannibalism are turned into a Wendigo as punishment. The appearance of a Wendigo is huge, monstrous, and made of or coated in ice, but the human it once was is still frozen inside the monster where its heart should be and must be killed to defeat the Wendigo. In a few legends, a human has been successfully rescued from a Wendigo's heart, but usually a person, once a person has been possessed by a Wendigo spirit, the only escape is death. Like, I, I think it's just important to uh, distinguish that, like, I'm guilty of this too, but, like, for a while there, I thought uh, Wendigos and Skinwalkers were, like, kind of the same thing. Yeah, they're different. Yeah, they're totally different. It's, you know, and it's important to distinguish that, but... Um, so they list some Wendigo stories from uh, native tribes, and uh, I was able to find one uh, known to the Ojibwe. Uh, it's called the Dog and the Wendigo Spirit. Um, it's a myth about the first dog and his battle with a, a treacherous Wendigo. So I guess I'm going to read that now. It's called the First Dog and Ojibwe Tell. The legends say that two Ojibwe men were to go fishing for food for their tribe in a mighty birch tree canoe. The men were on their way back to shore when suddenly the men found themselves in the middle of a great and powerful storm. The men were soon lost to sea. They had little strength and uh, had to paddle, and they gave themselves to the wind. Finally, their canoe was blown onto a strange beach, and the two men were relieved to be on stable land. They began to look for food before finding a place to lay their heads, and the two men came across a trail of massive footprints in the sand. The men heard pounding footfalls. Scared and shaking, they took cover in the bushes. As they crouched low, a big arrow too large for any man thudded into the ground with a very loud boom. A giant emerged from the trees. Giants were always said to be large. The men knew that, but he was so large a caribou hang from, hung from his belt with ease. It hung there like limp like a rabbit caught while hunting. And the giant said, You are safe, tiny ones. I saw your tiny boat wash onto the shore. I wish to help you return to your home. The men were happy to follow the giant to his cave. The men knew food was waiting for them at the giant's home. And soon they would know what else was waiting for them too. As the Ojibwe and the giant sat down to eat from the giant's caribou dinner, an evil Wendigo spirit emerged from the entrance of the cave. He came. He had come to trick the men. The Wendigo tried to confuse the men 
and convinced them that the giant wanted to kill them. The men trusted their giant friend, for he had helped them. The men knew the rumors. Wendigos were the eaters of people. There had been enough lies from the Wendigo, so the giant knocked on a bull at his feet. Uh, as he did this, a creature came bounding over to the giant and awaited his command. The giant shouted, Dog, do what dog can do. The uh, wait. So the creature of the giant called Dog turned to the Wendigo and jumped. As the creature sprang at the eater of people, he changed shape. He grew larger and larger and larger. He took one last leap and took the spirit down in one sweep of his powerful paw. When dawn broke, the giant and dog took the men to the shore, and the giant gave his command. Again, dog grew larger and larger and larger. The giant then picked up the tiny men and placed them on the dog's back. Before the men could speak, dog ran into the open water, and the men could do nothing. They looked back at the giant and he waved from the shore. Yes, Dog was the giant's pet. He knew the tiny ones needed Dog much more than he needed him now. The Ojibwe men began to see a familiar coastline. The Dog swam to shore and became smaller and smaller and smaller, forcing the men to swim the last leg of their journey. Dog then left them close enough to the tribe's camp so that the men wouldn't get lost, but far enough that they wouldn't be seen. Once they reached the sand, without so much as a low rumble in his chest, Dog walked away. Um, the men had not seen or heard talk of Dog for many moons that had passed. It was not until one night when the chief confronted the two men. Quote, you lie. There is no dog, no such creature. This mystery animal does not exist. Show us this creature and we shall let you stay here. There was a rustling in the woods, as if Dog had been summoned. He came shouting out of the woods to greet all the men. Dog allowed the tribe to pet and feed him from their hands. He was friendly and protective, and Dog took his place in his new home and lived happily. So, like, the... <laughs> I guess two men befriended a giant... <laughs> Giant summoned a dog. The dog killed the Wendigo, and then carried the men back. Yeah, carried the men back over in a, what, like a sea, and <laughs> yeah. then left them right outside yeah. the village, and then ran off, and then yeah. showed up. <laughs> so, Interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, we could go into some uh, modern depictions of the Wendigo. Yeah, why? Right, yeah, and then we could talk about another story. Because I, I actually found a, um, like a Wendigo. Like a Canadian Wendigo case file or something. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So I'll talk about like what does the Wendigo look like. There are two very distinct archetypes that I'm sure many of you would recognize. A large looking demonic beast, normally a head or skull of a stag, complete or in some kind of antlers or horns. This type of Wendigo has become quite popular today. And it is an image that I'm sure many of you recognize from a lot of popular media. But this is particular image seems to be more of a modern interpretation. I remember seeing this imagery when I was first watching TV a show called Hannibal, of course, has its underlying theme of murder and cannibalism. At the time, I didn't understand the Wendigo symbolism because I didn't know a bunch about Wendigos. It is associated with cannibalism and acts of evil. So why does this version of Wendigo have antlers and furs reminiscent of a stag? Sadly, they couldn't find a conclusive answer. 
There isn't much mention of a Wendigo's appearance in traditional Aloquin folklore, um, and what we do see today doesn't describe a stag. So there could be some confusion between the concept of a Navajo skinwalker, um, or this could be a very, uh, or this could be a modern stylistic interpretation. Either way, the stag is an animal that uh, that appears in folklore around the world, including Greek mythology. Though it is normally associated with woodland deities and fertility, it is also an animal that the Native Americans highly respected. So if we go with the concept that the Wendigo is seen as a symbol of corruption, the fact that it then manifests as an animal that the natives held in such high regards make it seem as if nothing is safe from the Wendigo's curse, which does highlight the seriousness of the warnings and meanings interwoven into these stories. The more traditional appearance of the Wendigo is closer to a haggard and, um, and decomposing corpse. Its skin is ex stretched extremely tight over its bones, creating a thin, translucent layer of uh, desiccated uh, flesh from which its bones uh, work ready to burst. Its complexion varies from a sickly white to a ashy gray. It has long, spindly fingers with sharp nails um, that it uses to tear its victims to pieces. The easiest way to describe this type of wendigo is as a uh, gaunt skeleton looks like it has risen from the grave. Whoever, wherever the Wendigo goes, it is followed by the odor of death and decay. It is a vile creature with uh, jagged, mishappened uh, teeth that at times resemble yellow fangs. In this form, the Wendigo may be a creature that resembles a humanoid, but I assure you they are nothing short of anyone's worst nightmare. And then I also have uh, the curse of the Wendigo too, um, that we could talk about after your story. Okay. Well, <laughs> apparently there's a lot of people that have run into these things, but um, I would like to give a more, um, just some various descriptions that people have given. So this is by Basil Johnston, an Ojibwe teacher and scholar of Ontario, Canada, which I love his name, Basil Johnston. <laughs> Sounds like a spice. Um, the Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation. Its desiccated skin pulled tautly over its bones, with its bones pushing out against its skin. Its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a giant skeleton, recently disinterred from the grave. I mean, he's like dug up. Um, what lips it had were tattered, and bloody. Its body was unclean and suffering from suppurations of the flesh, giving off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition, of death and corruption. Uh, the an Algonquin um, legend describes a creature, quote, as a giant with a heart of ice. Sometimes it is thought to be entirely made of ice. Its body is skeletal and deformed with missing lips and toes. The Ojibwe describe it as, it was a large creature, as tall as a tree, with a lipless mouth and jagged teeth. Its breath was a strange hiss, its footprints full of blood, and it ate any man, woman, or child who ventured into its territory. And those were the lucky ones. Sometimes the Wendigo chose to possess a person instead, and then the luckless individual became a Wendigo himself, hunting down those he had once loved and feasting upon their flesh. 
Um, so I, as Jared touched on earlier, the Wendigo uh, psychosis, yeah, which you know you can probably just chalk up to like people not understanding why someone was suffering or like had a specific mental illness illness um so uh the most common response when a person showed signs of wendigo psychosis was a curing attempt by traditional native healers in cases of the past if these attempts failed and the possessed person began either to threaten those around them or act violently or anti-socially, they were just executed. Great. There have been reports regarding the psychosis dating back hundreds of years uh, with a 1661 Jesuit relations document stating, quote, what caused this greater concern was the intelligence that met us upon entering the lake, namely that the men deputed by our conductor for the purpose of summoning the nations to the North Sea and assigning them a rendezvous where they were to await our coming had met their death the previous winter in a very strange manner. These poor men were seized with an ailment unknown to us, but not very unusual among the people we were seeking. They were afflicted with neither lunacy, hypochondria, nor frenzy, but have a combination of all these species of disease which affects their imagination and causes them a more than canine hunger. This makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women, children, and even upon men, like veritable werewolves, and devour them voraciously without being able to appease or glut their appetite, ever seeking fresh prey, and the more greedily, the more they eat. This ailment attacked our deputies, and as death is the sole remedy, among those simple people for checking such acts of murder. They were slain in order to stay the course of their madness. Um, so these are some earlier sightings that I didn't even know about. Uh, so one documented case in 1878 when a Plains Cree trapper from Alberta named Swift Runner suffered one of the worst cases known. Swift Runner was a trader with the Hudson's Bay Company, who was married and the father of six children. In 1875, he was a guide for the Northwest Mounted Police. So, like, they're on horses, I guess. I guess so. During the winter of 78 to 79, he and his family were starving, along with other numerous Cree fa families. His eldest son was the first to die of starvation, and at some point, Swift Runner succumbed to Wendigo psychosis. Though emergency food supplies were available at Hudson's Bay Company post some 25 miles away, he did not attempt to travel there. Rather, he killed the remaining members of his family and consumed them. He eventually, was, he eventually confessed and was executed by authorities at Fort Sasquatch Wanon. A Wendigo allegedly made a number of appearances near a town named Rosesu in northern Minnesota from the late 1800s through the 1920s. Each time that was reported, an unexpected death followed, and finally it was seen no more. Um, so, <laughs> I have one more and then I'll kick it to you. Sounds good. Um, 
Another well-known case involving Wendigo psychosis was that of Jack Fiddler, an OG Ojibwe Cree chief and medicine man known for his powers at defeating Wendigos. Fiddler claimed to have defeated 14 Wendigos during his lifetime. Some of these creatures were said to have been sent by enemy shamans, and others were members of his own man band who had been taken with the insatiable, incurable desire to eat human flesh. In the later case, Fiddler was usually asked by family members to kill a very sick loved one before they turned Wendigo. Fiddler's own brother, Piet Peter Flett, was killed after turning Wendigo when the food ran out on a trading expedition. Hudson's Bay Company traders, the Cree, and missionaries were all well aware of the Wendigo legend, though they often explained it as mental illness or superstition. Regardless, several incidents of people turning Wendigo and eating human flesh are documented in the records of the Hudson Bay Company. Uh, in 1907, Filler and his brother Joseph were arrested by the Canadian authorities for murder. Jack committed that... Uh, yeah, I'm not saying that. But Joseph was tried and sentenced to life in prison. He ultimately was granted pardon, but died three days later in jail before receiving the news of this part. Interesting. So it's all you... My turn! So this is the curse of the Wendigo. Um, there's an interesting description that comes from New Law. Um, is the belief that the Wendigos were giant creatures made of, of ice that would dwarf over human beings. This was because every time the Wendigo ate a person, they would grow in proportion to the meal. The larger the meal, the bigger they grew. The fatter, the taller you grow. <laughs> yep. Um, ma imagine them eating a bunch of average Americans. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> They'd be giants. This is what ate McDonald's recently. Yeah. <laughs> Scrumptious. This one... This is, uh, was one of the ways they used to describe the Wendigo's insatiable hunger because it created this vicious cycle where the more the Wendigo consumed, the bigger and stronger they grew, but it would have to consume more and more to satisfy its ever-growing hunger. This gives us an interesting contrast. You have these enormous gluttonous creatures, then you have these thin, gaunt husks that are wasting away, but both suffer from starvation, and that is what we consider the curse of the Wendigo. It's hunger that can never be sated. A quest for new victims is eternal. How does one become a Wendigo, you might ask? Well, Wendigos are regarded as evil. This is no doubt because of their cannibalistic nature, but how does one become such an evil entity? There is the belief that humans can turn into Wendigos if they're overcome by greed. Um, these stories were told to encourage moderation and a <coughs> No, excuse me. <coughs> I swallowed my own babas. Um, encourage moderation and essentially scare individuals into behaving in a certain way. Those who committed unspeakable acts of cannibalism uh, were also thought to become Wendigos. This belief is where many attributed the start of the Wendigo legend. However, there are extremely dark times where famine was so bad that people had no choice but to resort to cannibalism just to survive, make it through the long, cold winters. It's not common today, but in times of extreme famine, some Native American people would perform a ceremonial dance that involved wearing a mask and dancing backwards behind the drum. The ceremony was mostly considered to be a satiric way to reinforce the seriousness of the Wendigo taboo. Many saw the Wendigo as a metaphor that represented imbalance and disharmony, not only in an individual, but in society. This idea of selfishness does also 
uh, tile of the fact that Wendigo was seen as a solitary creature, often being referred to as spirits of the lonely place. The fear of Wendigos? So what makes Wendigos so special and why are we so scared of them? The possession of a Wendigo isn't like your generic spirit or demon. It chooses its victims very carefully and slowly eats away at its sanity. It enters the thoughts and plagues their minds of uh, mind of countless nightmares. Unable to sleep, they start experiencing a burning sensation throughout their entire body. This has been described as a Wendigo fever. There have been countless tales of people running stark naked through the forests at the dead of night, claiming they have a Wendigo fever. The abilities of the Wendigo. As a supernatural entity, you'd expect supernatural abilities. Most of these are exactly what you would imagine. The Wendigo is extremely fast, has a natural strength despite how fragile some of them may look. As expert hunters, they have heightened endurance senses, uh, making it so that they can hunt in all manners of terrain and temperature. Um, the and another older, report in Canada. Yeah, mostly in Canada. Yeah. The older the Wendigo gets, the stronger it becomes. As its corruption spreads through the forest, so does its influence on nature. Some can control woodland creatures. Others are so powerful they can control the weather. Um, the eldest able to summon darkness capable of concealing the sun, making it so no one is safe regardless of their time or location. Ooh. Story, and so I have uh, some stories here. Did you have another story you want to talk about? And then I can yeah, I, I have a quick one. Sweet. Yeah, I, I so, have a few quick ones as well. So there, there's a lot of... Um, you know, there's like a lot of different creatures that, you, you know, you have to distinguish between. Mm -hmm. Like, um, there's, I, I don't know if you've heard of it, like a rake mm -hmm. or I guess a crawler or, you know, like just some other like humanoid deer things um, that, you know, are very thin. I mean, most of the time that... Like, you see these reporter on, like, Reddit or whatever. It's at night, and they don't see too many details, you know. Mm, it's like, dark. Yeah, it's dark. Like, they see it from who knows, distance through who knows, trees. Yeah, you know, it's like Bigfoot sightings. Yeah. How reliable. Yeah, how reliable are they? Okay, so, this guy is, um, uh, he thought he saw a rake, a wendigo, or a crawler. I saw the rake or something that I call the rake. I can't tell you what it was. I was driving late at night in the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. I lived 35 or 30 miles south of Alamosa, Colorado. I was driving on a back road with my buddy, Bud, buddy, taking buddy, him buddy. home near my house. It was about 12 a.m. Out of nowhere, this thing appeared in the headlights in the middle of the road. It was crouching over some roadkill. It was humanoid, it was pale. It looked like it had no ears. It looked like a Wendigo from, quote, until dawn. Looked like it was seven foot tall. Abnormally long arms, no ears, no nose, and some nasty teeth. It wasn't skinny, but its skin was tight with ribs visible and, like, long claws on the end of its hands. Seems like he got a pretty good look at it. Yeah. Um, I was barely able to dodge it with my truck as I was driving considerably fast. Why didn't you hit it? As I swerved around it, it seemed like time slowed down and it looked up from the roadkill I was eating and stared at me as I passed. Its eyes were yellow. I immediately braked and yelled at my friend, 
Did you see that? His eyes were wide with fear and he nodded at me. I threw the truck in reverse, but when I approached the roadkill, it was gone. And he claims to have seen it too. So I know I'm not crazy. Or he's just backing you up. I, I don't know. Or your friend doesn't even ex exist. <laughs> when I was a kid, I read a lot of stories about the rake. I know the rake isn't real, so maybe they invented a creature that already existed. Maybe it's like a cave creature in the descent. If you have any questions, please ask. I need answers. I need answers right now. Uh... Um, so the one I have is called the Swift Runner Windigo. Despite what we perceive to be just stories, there have been numerous cases over the years of people committing horrendous crimes claiming they were possessed by a Wendigo. Hmm. So this one's called the Swift Runner Wendigo. In 1878, a Native American man named Swift Runner butchered and ate uh, his entire family. That winter was said to be a particularly harsh and Swift Runner's son had sadly died because of the extreme conditions. Now, we don't know if Swift Runner and his family ate the boy to survive, but the mutilated, mutilated remains of his wife and five other children were later found. He eventually confessed to killing and eating his entire family because he was adamant that his actions were due to a Wendigo possession. E -e 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 -e. Um, so the eating of his son turned him into a Wendigo? Question mark? Did his butcher of his family because he felt they wouldn't survive the winter? Or did he value the self-preservation of his own life over his family? The answers to those questions is we'll like, most likely never know. The second one is uh, Jack and Joseph Fiddler. Another famous case is that of Jack Fiddler and his brother Joseph, who was arrested for the murder of over a dozen people. As a chief of his people, Jack was thought to be capable of removing evil, which is why he got away from killing so many, um, claiming that they were all possessed by a Wendigo. Jack managed to escape captiv captivity during a routine walk outside. He eventually hung himself before the trial concluded. However, his brother Joseph wasn't so lucky. He was sentenced to death by magistrate Ellis Worth Perry. Despite the numerous appeals of his innocence, uh, Joseph, ironically um, enough, was eventually given a pardon, but it came three days after his death in 1909. These cases have led people to believe that it might have been a more serious mental issue, one that would later be dubbed the Wind Wendigo Psychosis, the deep craving for flesh. But whether it was a real mental disorder or something that was heavily debated as a number of reported cases decreased dramatically in the 20th century, when Angloquin people adapted to European ideologies and began to leave, live a less rural lifestyle. In conclusion to the Wendigo, there's no doubt that Wendigo myth has changed and evolved over the years. It has now become another monster that reflects our issues as humans. Greed, selfishness, and extreme, extreme cases or metaphoric cases, cannibalism. It is unlikely that many of the Native American tribes still believe in the legends of the Wendigo as adamantly as they once did. To them, the Wendigos was an evil spirit that embodied everything they hated. It can be interpreted as a symbol of corruption from what they perceived to be outsiders, changing their landscape to beliefs of their people. Stories of the Wendigo were used to encourage a balanced lifestyle, respect for one's peers, the world surrounding them. A creature with an insatiable hunger, a spirit capable of possession, or a story meant to encourage cooperation and warn against dangers of greed. So that's pretty interesting. And I do have a few more stories, but I'll let Luke take it over from here if he has a few to talk about, too. Because um, this one's pretty long, so... Yeah, I, um, I, I would like to talk some more about just, like, its distribution. 
Um, Glengo has been seen in the colder regions of the U.S. and Canada, such as the forests of Minnesota, the Great Lakes region of Ontario, and other central regions of Canada. There's a, even a cave system in Ontario, Canada, near Lake Mamaigues. Mamaigues. I'm probably butchering that name. Called the Cave of the Wendigo, where there have been numerous sightings. Um, some lore states that the human will be encased in ice and will sit where the Wendigo's heart should be. Wow. Um, So, I I do have one quick story. Um, that's another sighting from Reddit, apparently, because that's the only place where people post their Wendigo stories. <laughs> First off, this is what happened last night that really freaked me out. I have a back door in my room that leaves outside to my backyard. The whole reason I was even wondering about Wendigos is because I live in Native American Tory. Uh... Blackfoot to be exact. My house is also kind of located more rurally. I'm very, very close to the woods slash mountain range. Anyways, last night around 1 a.m. I'd opened my back door for some fresh air since it was a bit stuffy in my room. I stepped out for a sec to smoke a cigarette real quick and then probably about 50 feet away I heard something that I can really only describe as something like an Aztec death whistle followed by two thumps on the ground yeah that freaked me out so i ran back inside real quick my cat who was laying on my bed looked absolutely terrified as well her eyes were huge and she was just staring outside i turned on the lights and went to look and there was nothing there no there's no houses behind mine it's just a wood slash bounds not the first time something like this had happened either uh da, 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 da. from when i moved i've heard tapping a lot at my windows and doors even once sound like someone completely body slammed my back door in the middle of the night. In addition to that, I'll occasionally hear whistling at night. I always get kind of bad feelings over my backyard at night. I get oddly paranoid for seemingly no reason. Seems like this is a sort of thing is getting more common for me too. I'll hear this sort of thing a lot more often and my little dog refuses to go outside or go to go to the bathroom at night. Um, so just some i guess my two cents for this guy is um maybe if you're having those incidents maybe you should just move yeah. i mean that sounds like that could solve a lot of your problems if you do believe that this stuff is going on around your house and is it i guess you and your family i guess you could also uh, get a get a you know, like, the the best form of security is, like, a dog. I would say, like, a, yeah, well, um, but, like, a bigger dog, you know, especially, because it sounds like he has a tiny dog, but he'd probably want a bigger dog. Um, and it, he, he, he didn't... He, he didn't even see anything. He just heard something. Yeah. So, like, was there really we, like half of these cryptid stories are like, I heard something. 
It must be this. Yeah, it must be a Wendigo. Maybe it was a cat. I mean, my cats around my house growing up, like, they would, you, you know, like how a cat, like, arches their back and whatnot, and they're like, Nurr. Yeah, like, cats get really freaked out by just seeing anything. Like, seeing a dog, seeing a cat they don't recognize, you yeah, know? True. So... I wouldn't just jump to the immediate conclusion that, oh, I saw a Wendigo. Yeah, fair. All right, so I got the I got another story here, um, and we'll probably end it after this one. A wealthy man wanted to go hunting in a northern part of Canada where few people ever hunted. He traveled to a trading post and tried to find a guide to take him, but no one would do it. It was too dangerous, they said. Finally, he found an Indian who needed money badly. He agreed to take him. The Indian's name was Defango. They made a camp in, a, in snow near a large frozen lake. For three days they hunted, but had nothing to show for it. The third night, a windstorm came. They laid in their tents, listening to the wind howl, the trees whipping back and forth. To see the storm better, the hunters opened the tent flap. What he saw startled him. There wasn't a, a breath of air stirring. The trees were sit, uh, standing perfectly still, yet he heard the wind howling. And the more he listened, the more it sounded as if it were calling wind, uh, uh, Defango's name. Defango, Defango. I must be losing my mind, the hunter thought. But Defango had thought, uh, gotten out of his sleeping bag. He was huddled in a corner of the tent, his head buried in his arms. What is this all about? The hunter asked. It's nothing, Defango said. But the wind continued to call him, and Defango became more tense and more restless. Defango, it called. Defango. Suddenly he jumped to his feet. He began to run from the tent, but the hunter grabbed him and wrestled him to the ground. You can't leave me out here, the hunter shouted. The wind began to call, and Defango broke loose, running into, running into the darkness. The hunter could hear him screaming as he went. Again and again he cried, Oh, my fiery feet, my burning feet of fire. Then his voice faded away. The wind died down. At daybreak, the hunter followed Defango's tracks in the snow. They went through the woods, down towards the lake, then out into the ice. Soon he noticed something strange. Um, the steps Defango had taken gotten longer and longer. They were so long no human being could have taken them. It was as if something had helped him to hurry away. The hunter followed the tracks out to the middle of the lake, but there, um, there they disappeared. At first he thought Defango had fallen through the ice, but there, was, there wasn't any hole. Then he thought about something uh, had pulled him off the ice into the sky, but that made no sense. As he stood there wondering what happened, the wind picked up again. Soon, it was howling as it had the night before. Then he heard Defango's voice. It was coming from above. Again, he heard Defango screaming, My fiery feet, my burning feet. But there was nothing to be seen. Now the hunter wanted to leave that place as fast as he could. Um, he went back to camp and packed. He left some food for Defango and start, uh, he started out. Weeks later, he reached civilization. Following The following year, he went back to hunt the area again. He went to the same trading post to look for a guide. The people there could not explain what happened to Defango that night, but they had not seen him since. Maybe it was the Wendigo, one of them said. He laughed. It's supposed to come with the wind. It drags you along at great speeds until your feet are burned away. And more of you than that, then it carries you into the sky. It drops you. It's just a crazy story, but that's what some of the Indians say. A few days later, the hunter was at the trading post again. Uh, an Indian came in and sat by the fire. 
He had a blanket wrapped around him. He wore a hat so that you couldn't see his face. The hunter thought there was something familiar about it, about him. He walked over and asked, are you Defango? The Indian didn't answer. Do you know anything about him? No answer. He began to wonder if something was wrong. The man needed help, but he couldn't see his face. Are you all right? He asked. No answer. Uh, to get a closer look, he lifted the Indian's hat and then screamed. There was nothing under the hat but a pile of ashes. Interesting. Wait, so was that the Wendigo? Mm-hmm. What, so what happened? He like flew up into there? Um, what happened? It seemed, yeah, it seemed like the Wendigo took him. Uh, and that's why he was screaming, my fiery feet, my fiery feet, my burning feet. Because the Wendigo so was he was like him. he was like running, and then the Wendigo picked him up and dragged him. And as his feet were burning across the ground, it was like uh, that's why he was screaming about his feet burning. And uh, the Indian said that um, once your once your feet are started to burn and um, and it uh, basically starts taking off your feet, um, then it carries you up and drops you and kills you. So what was with the face? Full of ash or whatever. Um, I think uh, I think uh, the guy, the Native American guide, ended up turning into a Wendigo. The one that got dragged off. Mm-hmm. Because I think the Native American was in such. Because I didn't desperate understand need. that part. The Native American was in such desperate need of money and desire um, for that money that he turned into a Wendigo himself, at in the middle of the night. And so what he was hearing with the windstorm and everything like that was him turning into a Wendigo and the evil spirit uh, starting to possess him. And so when the hunter came back uh, that next year and he saw that guy that looked like him um, but had his hat over his face, when he lifted the hat and saw the ash, that was because he turned into a Wendigo. I mean, I guess you could interpret it however you want. I mean, I... That's the way it sounds to yeah, me. Yeah, it sounds... And it makes sense sounds to Sounds accurate. So I have one last tell... Go for it. Uh, from the Chippewa people. One time long ago, a big Wendigo stole an Indian boy, but the boy was too thin. So the Wendigo didn't eat him up right away, but he traveled with the Indian boy, waiting for him till he got fat. The Wendigo had a knife, and he cut the boy on the hand to see if he was fat enough to eat, but the boy didn't get fat. They traveled too much. One day, they came to an Indian village, and the Wendigo sent the boy to the Indian village to get some things for him to eat. He just gave the boy so much time to go there and back. The boy told the Indians the Wendigo was near them and showed them his hand where the Wendigo had cut him to see if he was fat enough to eat. They heard the Wendigo calling the boy. He said to the boy, hurry up, don't tell lies to those Indians. All those Indians went to where the Wendigo was and cut off his legs. Well, that was quick. Uh, <laughs> they went back again to see if he was dead. He wasn't dead. He was eating the juice from inside the bones of his legs that were cut off. The Indians asked the Wendigo if there was any fat on them. He said, you bet there is. I've eaten lots of Indians. No wonder they're fat. The Indians then killed him and cut him to pieces. At the end of this giant Wendigo. So, wow, that's a, that's a fun tale. That is a fun tale. Definitely Cut off a Wendigo's legs, they'll eat them. Oh, yeah, apparently. <laughs> well, um, well, with that, uh, this has been your host, Luke, and my uh, co-host, Gerard, uh, covering the Wendigo. Hope you have a good night. Peace.